Darcy? It was written by Moses, Tim. Okay, both of That's one. We'll count that as one. That's not two. One thing is written by Moses. What else? Yeah, it's a book of beginnings, and it is the ultimate beginning of our existence. But it's there's a bunch of different beginnings. Good. That's two. Didn't push you guys. Okay, it does. We're going to talk about that today. We'll see a glimpse of uh, the Godhead, three in one. Today, we'll even see a glimpse of that, Lord willing. We'll get there. That's four. Three more. Three more things we know about the book of Genesis. Ginger. The law. Yep. The law is not given yet. Noah. Yep. And we may be having uh, Scott Schwarzenegger's son-in-law teach us the Noah. I may not even get to do Noah. Okay. I think is that five or six? Abraham in the beginning of Israel. Rebellion. We're going to see that over and over. So I kind of want to give the big picture. Again, I kind of gave this example last week. If if you do a jigsaw puzzle, a lot of times, you know, you take all the pieces out, you get all those edge pieces and then you're looking at the box because it's good to have kind of like what's the big pictures. It, it's very difficult if you take one piece and then you look at another piece and you look at another piece. And it's kind of like that's what we do every week is look at individual pieces. But we want to step back and look at the big picture. What is this book about? And so really quickly, again, the author is Moses. And some people would say, so how did Moses know? Like if Moses wasn't even born yet, how did he know when God created? There's two different ideas of how Moses got that, this information. One is that Adam and Eve passed it down, passed it down, passed it down, passed it down. And so it was taught to Moses by his parents or through relatives that he was taught it. Or the other idea is that God just revealed it to him and God gave him a special insight into this. We don't know which it is, but we don't do know and we trust that God gave this somehow, whether it was through handing him down or through special revelation that he gave this to Moses. And the book really does reveal God's nature. It shows us who God is. And uh, if you just had the book of Genesis, you would already be able to get an idea of who God is and how he operates. It talks about his sovereignty. We're going to talk a lot about that today. His power. Sovereignty means rule. We talked about last week. If a nation is a sovereign nation, that means it makes its own rules. It doesn't run under any other nation's rules. It's a sovereign, independent nation. And ultimately, God is sovereign. No one puts rules on God. He is the ruler. He is the sovereign one of all. Um, and it talks over and over. We'll see how he goes to bless mankind. He goes to bless mankind. And then just as uh, Charity was saying, man rebels over and over. We'll see it in the book. Man rebels. And then God continues to bless and give grace and give a second chance. It's almost like a cycle. You can just keep seeing over and over and over. God does something good. Man messes it up. God gives a second chance. God continues to bless. Man messes it up. God gives a second chance. It's grace over and over and over. And so that gives us our idea here that I'm going to say is the big picture of the book. God's grace. God's grace. Grace is an undeserved gift. And so over and over we see God's grace. And you could say God's grace despite our corruption. And he continues to be gracious 
even though we can continue to be corrupt. But I also believe that God's grace is the cure for our corruption. And so we see man messes it up and God straightens things out through his grace over and over. If you divided the book into two big sections, you know, I kind of picture like this, like I got two big sections here. But if you divide the book of Genesis up into two big sections, the first section is the beginning of the human race. We see the creation, the fall, the flood, the nations. And again, you can even see in that the cycles of God does something good. Man messes it up. God judges. God get, does something good and continues to do that. And then we see the beginning of the chosen race or the Jewish race, which really is a foundation for all of the Bible. So this book really lays a solid foundation for what God's going to do all the way into Revelation which is the last book of the Bible. So we see things like he sets up a kingdom. He sets up good things. He sets up a rule. He sets up God blessing man. He sets up man running things. Go through a whole Bible and then you get to the end of Revelation and we see God does accomplish that. He allows man to rule with Jesus Christ over. Uh, we see kind of the Garden of Eden type situation finally brought to restoration and restored despite all these years and the period even we're in now where things are a big mess. So it starts setting all that up and God working through the Jewish race until the Jewish race rejects Jesus Christ. And then the Gentiles receive Jesus Christ. And then it, someday in the future, the Jews are going to open their hearts up again to Jesus Christ and he will set up his kingdom. All right. So that's kind of the big overview of the book today we're going to lord willing get through all of chapter one in the very beginning of chapter two i'm going to move quickly through this last week i spent a lot of time on some of what i would call it kind of like the more technical aspects and we're not going to dive into that as much today but i do want to kind of start with a few questions uh these are different questions that we talked about last week but does it bother you when you don't get good service at a restaurant or business why or why not? Some people are like, I don't really care. But if you are one of those people that get annoyed, why? You can answer that real quick. It won't take a long time. but Okay. Well, we want to be treated like we would. We, yes. <laughs> you said it fine. Why am I rewording it? Ginger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have an expectation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Are you comfortable when you're not in control? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm based on all this, I'm going to say the answer is actually no. Tina, we're just kidding. Some of us, uh, some of us are a little better at faking this than than others, but I don't think a lot of us like to be out of control. Um, maybe that's just a control freak speaking. I don't know, but I don't think it's a comfortable thing to be out of control. Um, but why don't we like that? Lack of security. Okay. What's that? 
The unknown, yeah. We're not in control, I agree, but we do like to be in control. You're one step ahead of us, team. Okay. All right, why are we sometimes afraid to pray prayers like, God, you name it, I'll do it, whatever you ask? Is the answer? Well, why what was what would be so bad if you answered that? What's so bad about that? Okay. We're not in control. What's that? He has wild requests sometimes. Yeah. At the heart of this, I feel like in my own heart, I, I would have to admit I'm probably doubting or um, questioning the difference between what God says is good and what I think is good. Like I think a nice, cozy, comfy life and everybody's safe and everybody happy and everybody doing good. That's good. And he may say, I'm going to allow some hardship or I'm going to allow some difficulty or I want to see you uh, strain a little bit. Uh, so I feel like we kind of do question that. So it's not just me, right? Not just the pastor that sometimes gets nervous to pray these prayers. Okay. Uh, I would challenge you to, to stretch yourself and pray those prayers just out of trust. Sometimes I know the times I have God ends up blessing me, but it, he does have some wild slash difficult requests. sometimes. All right. So today we're going to talk about the sovereignty and the grace of God. And that those are both revealed in his creation. Chapter one is the creation story. And we're going to talk about how we see his sovereignty and we see his grace both in this, uh, in the creation account. So I'm just going to take a minute. I'm going to read these first two verses. I'm going to explain a couple of what I would say might be technical things. Um, and then we're going to dive in and kind of move really quickly. Uh, is there anybody who'd like to read these two verses for me? Go on once, go on twice, David. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Earth was without form, void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Okay, so we talked last week. I'm not going to go into detail about this, but we talked about three different viewpoints of creation kind of from a more scientific point of view and one of them is what people would call old earth creation and they say the these two verses kind of explain the big bang so to speak and that god did create but he big banged everything and all the subsequent days like on the first day like that that word isn't really just the word day. It means an era or a period of time. So that first day may have been a billion years. And day two may have been a billion years. And so then that's why they call it the old earth theory. Because they're saying, yeah, God did create. But he created through this kind of natural scientific process that took billions and billions or millions and millions and some kind of long period of time. So that's kind of the old earth idea. And there are a lot of people out there and there are some merit. There is some merit to why they think that the word day can be used for an age or a period of time and not just a 24 hour period. So that's one idea. Old earth is. Uh, I'm not even going to say the computer girl's name, but you know, that 
think some talking to her. You know, I don't know what I'm talking. So that's one theory. The there's another theory out there called the gap theory, and that is that there's a gap right here in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth he created everything it was good it worked everything was going great there was uh you know animals there were dinosaurs there were all these things and then right here what happened was satan rebelled which we do read about in scripture and satan was cast down from heaven and that's when all turmoil happened. And then the world, even though he made it good, was then turned into turmoil. And God, uh, so there, here's the gap. That's what happened in this gap. And then God recreated, in essence, everything, redid everything good. I'm just going to say, I don't, I don't really buy into either one of those uh, ideas. I can get, I see why people got there, how they got there. I believe this is a summary statement for all of creation. And then he's going to go into how he did it. So it'd be kind of like God created everything and here's how, and he goes into the individual days. And so I believe in what we would call a literal 24 hour single day creation. The reason I like to believe it uh, or to, to put my faith in that is because God says, God says it. I can see where you get to the other. But once you start trying to line science up and squeeze the Bible to fit into science, it gets really tricky because you start making excuses. Well, maybe Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. Uh, maybe the Red Sea didn't really open up. Maybe they walked across on a bed of reeds. Maybe ba 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 ba. And I believe God does miracles, and we see God do miracles all the time. And just because our mind can't uh, buy into something doesn't mean God didn't do it and it's not true. So. This, I believe, is a summary statement for the rest of the chapter. Uh, but I just want you to be prepared and armed for some of these things that may come up and know why people may say, uh, I'm a Christian and I believe God created the world, but I believe he did it over billions of years. There is, you can argue that point. I don't personally hold to that point, but that's also not a reason we need to squabble. Two other quick things. There's a website called Answers in Genesis. If you like kind of nerd out on all the evolution, scientific stuff, Answers in Genesis. And then Cass told me last Sunday, I looked him up, a guy named Russ Miller, uh, who's up in Flagstaff or was up in Flagstaff. He does some Grand Canyon stuff. He has some videos and stuff online that would be really interesting if you want to see those things more towards the 24-hour single-day creation, okay? We got the sciencey, nerdy stuff out. All right, we're going to move quickly through the first five days since we talked a lot about that last week. Um, we can see just from these verses that God, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And here we're moving towards that idea that he is sovereign. He is above everything. Before all of creation, he was there. He's eternal. He's self-sufficient. He didn't need some air to breathe. He didn't need some land to walk on. He didn't need some mother to nurse him. He didn't need, before all of these things were, God was. He's totally self-sufficient. And he created everything out of nothing. 
even our most creative person in here needs something to create with. And they use stuff that God provided. No one creates something out of nothing except for God. Even most of our ideas are created out of previous ideas that we've gotten from other people. <clears throat> we've talked about it before, but there's this idea of two-ism or one-ism. And that idea of two-ism is that there is a creator and there is creation. And there is a huge separation between the two. Is there, did there used to be a Christian band called Altogether Separate? Okay. Kind of that idea to where he is altogether separate from his creation. Now, oneism is kind of a humanistic way of looking at things and kind of like the universe is divine. And if we become enlightened, we too can experience the divineness within us. We all hold the power of the universe within ourselves. And that's a bunch of hogwash. The Bible teaches that there is God and he is the answer. And he is outside of us and we need him and we can experience God within us through the Holy Spirit. But God and us are on two totally different planes. We are not God. There is one creator and all the rest of us are his creation. There's a totally distinct relationship there. Does that make sense? Okay. Day one, light and dark, day and night. Who wants to read this? Ginger. All right, so there we have the first day. I want to get into details on this, but we talked about it last week, so I'm not going to. Day two, heavens or atmosphere? Who, who wants to read this? Go ahead, Georgie. So essentially there are some waters and he separates and he pulls some waters up and then we would think these are probably clouds, but he's dividing. So now you have earthly water and the above water. Okay. And the heavens above. Okay. Day three, water, land, and plants. Go on street that. Go once. Levi. All right, thanks. Good reading, Levi. You got a long one there. So again, we saw we saw that the, the waters had been separated, and so there were some waters st still below. And in this passage, what he's saying is then God all of a sudden took and said, okay, there's water over here, there's land over here, we got seas, we got bodies of water, uh, we got oceans, we got lakes, and then we have our dry land. 
And then he also brought forth the trees and the, the um, grasses and the seeds. And, and one thing we talked about last week is it's interesting to see. It appears that God created the trees as complete trees, probably with the appearance of age, with rings. And so we kind of have the age-old you know, question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Based on this, we would say the chicken. There wasn't an egg. It wasn't seeds that then grew into trees. God created a fully formed animals. He created fully, well, not to the animals yet, but he created fully formed trees that were already bearing seeds. They had already, whatever, somehow been pollinated or whatever that would be and matured. And so, uh, you know, kind of can erase some of our questions here on these things. Like, how did God do it? God just created it in a ready-made state. Okay. And over and over, we'll see. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. Kind of a sneak peek preview. He's going to create man. But what he's done is he's created something good for man to live in. Day four, sun, moon, and stars. I'm going to just address one thing here, too. We did talk about this. You're kind of like, well, he made light on the first day. It said he made light. How was there light? I believe that this was just the Shekinah glory or the glory of God that bore his light, which it talks about again in Revelation and the new heavens and the new earth. There's going to be no sun and no moon, but there will be light. And I believe it's the very presence of God that provides his light. And so he already created, he let his light shine forth into his creation and kind of like burst forth his radiance. And so there was light. And then he created the sun, the moon, and the stars. Who wants to read that? Another long one. Someone brave. Good, Tina. All right, excellent. Thank you. All right, day five, fish and birds. Any hunters, anglers want to read? Going once, going twice. If not, I'll read. I'll take a turn. Cass. All right. Excellent. Before we move into the creation of man, I just want to take a break and talk for a minute. Huh? Yeah. yeah we'll look at that. Before we move on to the next day. Thank you. I uh, really appreciate that. 
very helpful. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know what I would do if Carly wasn't here in the front row. We'd just be totally lost. Um, so kind of just talking about God's sovereignty. It's loud and clear in this in the passages we've read so far. Obviously, he's creating all of this out of nothing. He is the ruler. He is supreme. He is above his creation. And so we look at that, we're like, okay, I can buy into that. God is supreme. God is the ruler. But what does that do for me? Or what does that translate into my everyday living? Well, a couple of practical applications. I mean, I feel like you could just kind of extrapolate on and on and on of all the applications, but I just wanted to give a few. Um, first of all, is it's important for us to realize that God is in complete control. That's not always an easy thing to do. And then you kind of, uh, you know, let that percolate down into our everyday things. And it's even a little tougher to swallow sometimes when you kind of let it percolate down into everyday realities. Because we can all go, oh, yeah, God's in control. God's in control. Okay. Then why do you deal with anxiety, fear, or worry? Well, here's why. Because we have, we need to remind ourselves that God is completely sovereign. He is ultimately in control over all his creation, over all and everything that's happening right now. And you're like, well, what about Satan? Look at how much Satan. If you picture, uh, some of you guys probably walk your dogs on these kind of leashes, or if not, you've seen them. The little retractable leashes, things where it can go like, you got the dog right here, or you got the dog up running around. Even Satan, God has Satan on a leash. He may let him do a little running around. He may reel him back in here and there. And one day, he will not even be on a leash. He will be in a lake of fire. But for right now, he's letting him do a little bit of running around. And sometimes he gives him this, this much room in the situation. Sometimes he gives him this much room. But if, if a dog is on a leash, who's ultimately in control? The owner, the, the master. And so for us, we need to realize, we were just talking this morning, you can watch the news and get yourself really wound up, really anxious, really fretful, really angry, really uptight, really doubtful about what's going on. But when we kind of step back and go, God is in control of this. And even though things seem shaky and seems weird, and it seems like the devil is having a heyday. The devil's on a leash. And his days are numbered. God is sovereign. God will have his way. No one is going to stop God from having his way. Anything that's going on right now that stinks, or I would say that sucks, is because, and only because, God is allowing it to suck right now. That's the only reason. It's not because somehow, you know, we picture like the two angels, the devil and God are fighting and it's a real tug of war. Oh no, who's going to win the war? Is it going to be God? Is it going to be the devil? Any winning the devil does is because God is letting him have a little bit of leeway with his leash. That's it. And so when we look at this creation story, it's important for us to remember God is in complete control. And that means even today. Anything that's going on is because God's allowing it to go on. Next, <clears throat> we, we struggle with things like anger, insecurity, and rejection. And I think part of that is because we need to realize God's in control. And there's one God. 
and it's not me. And we sometimes want to be treated like God, don't we? What do you mean you don't worship me? What do you mean you don't approve of me? What do you mean you're not going to serve me the way I expect to be served? There's only one person that deserves to be served like that. There's only one person that deserves to be worshipped, and that is God. So when we begin to go, there's one God, it's not me, he's sovereign, it begins to help us kind of put ourselves into a proper perspective. Does that make sense? Another one is realizing that we are dependent on God. Who here likes being dependent on somebody else? Not many of us. There are maybe a few people and they got their own little issues where they have, you know, codependent stuff and they like kind of being that person that just depends on the other person and got this dysfunctional relationship. But that is, there is one who we are dependent on and that is God. And so it's important for us to remember I can't do it all on my own. I'm dependent on God. And it, I think that even moves us into a state of being thankful for all the things that we have in our day-to-day -day life. The only reason I have any good gift, the only reason I have my family, the only reason I have food, the only reason I have shelter, the only reason I have the health that I have, whether it's good, bad, or in between, the only reason is because God has given me this thing. We are dependent on God. We are not independent of God. We may try and live independent of God. Every single one of us right now, the air you're breathing depends on God. You're not independent. You are dependent. I am dependent. Every physical, emotional, spiritual thing need needs to be met through God. And you can, and I can kind of reason and say, well, how does that work? I got to go out and go work a living. God's not just bringing. Well, he says that. He says, I provide for the birds. But the birds don't just sit in their nests and have worms crawl up and be fed to them, do they? He expects them to go out and do. And he provides through the systems that he's set up. And so it's not that we just lay back and go, why isn't God providing? Why I'm depending on God. He wants us to depend on him within his system. Just like he says, I take care of all the birds, but he expects the birds to go out and get their own little worms and seeds and all of that. Same is true for us. Okay. And then uh, last one, again, we could go on and on and on with these, but one of the last ones is the idea of this kind of like, oh, and it kind of ties into one of the ones I talked about earlier, but these over-dependent or unhealthy relationships or addictions. Uh, if we make our dependence on God, it's going to save us from getting into a bunch of unhealthy, dependent, codependent relationships, whether that's on a person or dependent on a substance or an activity. Or, and you, It could be anything. I mean, you could be addicted to a drug or you could be addicted to working out. You could be addicted to shopping. You could be addicted to ice cream. You could be addicted to porn. You can be addicted to a person. You could be, there's so many things that can, we can be addicted to. And really what that is, is it's a dependence. It's getting my needs met from some other thing, activity, whatever it is, drugs, alcohol, eating, throwing up, whatever it is, rather than being dependent on God. And when we begin to go, God is sovereign. He's the one I need to depend on. Even in a marriage, it can get really weird. And I can expect Carly to make me happy. 
I'm not happy. She's not making me happy. Everything she's doing, I can't, I'm empty inside. Carly, you need to do this. I'm so empty. She should say, then you got a problem with you and God. You're not depending on God. You're depending on me. And so this, these whole ideas right within the first verses of Genesis are really helpful for us in just the reality of everyday living. It's vital for us to understand there's one God. He's in control, and we need him. The bottom line is we need to remind ourselves God's the creator. I'm the creation. God is a creator, and I am his creation. He loves his creation, but he is the creator. All right, day six. Land creatures, man and woman, let's just go land creatures. Who wants to read the, the land creatures? Ready? Here I go. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. God saw that it was good. Before we get into man, just an idea here on the dinosaur question. Most Bible uh, interpreters or Bible students would say, yeah, there were dinosaurs, but they just went extinct either before the flood, after the flood. Um, I don't personally believe they went extinct during the flood because it says he rescued all of those animals. It, um, but we've seen, some of us have seen animals go extinct even during our lifetime. So it's very possible for those to go extinct. That's, I'm not going to get into any more detail than that, but uh, there's room for dinosaurs in the creation story. So he created all the animals that creep along the earth. Big ones, small ones, all of them. Okay, who wants to, lead, to read this? Ginger. Okay, so there's quite a few things in this that I'm going to skim over, but, but I do want to at least address. And so first of us is when he says, let us make man in our image. So we're going to talk about those two things. We're going to talk about having dominion, he says. He wants man, created him to rule over in his own image, kind of the same idea here, uh, which is the image of God. And male and female, he created them. So we're going to talk about the us, our image, dominion, male and female. I just want to kind of quickly go over those items. In the idea of us, he says, let us create. I believe this is a glimpse and beginning to show us that God is a triune God, that there is a Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and that God is one and yet three distinct beings in one. Um, and that they relate and interact with each other, that there's this relationship. Let us make man in our own image. And so there's this relationship going on between the Godhead. If you if if you kind of struggle with them, be like, eh, I don't know if I can. That's really hard to wrap my brain around. It is. I don't think we will ever understand it until heaven. I don't think we'll perfectly get it. I don't understand heaven. I don't understand free will versus God's. Uh, choosing us i don't there's so many things i don't get this is one of those things i don't get 
but and I've sincerely wrestled with it scripturally, even with folks in here going back and forth. And I've come to the personal conviction that we serve a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. And I think even here in Genesis, we get a glimpse of that. In our image. So we are created. He didn't say this about the fish. He didn't say this about the trees. He didn't say it about the stars. But we can even see, we go out and we see this beautiful sunset. We're like, man, that just points my heart toward God. And I think creation does that. We see it all through the Psalms. that it does make us point our eyes towards God. But none of his creation was created in his image besides man and woman. So what does that mean? So we're different than mere animals. We, there's something different about humans than it's different from animals. We're image bearers of God. We are the ones sent to reflect God into creation. That's not necessarily happening. There's other creations that point us to God, but we are to reflect and radiate out God's character, God's goodness, God's traits, because it's been built into us. We've been given a free will, which we can carry out the desires of God. Have you ever noticed, like animals, they have a will to make where you can train them. They can train them, they can make some kind of choices. They really do not have a choice to carry out the desires of God. They all fire. It's just instincts. Right. You guys, you guys have heard the story about uh, whatever, whatever it is, the scorpion on the dog's back. You ever heard, you ever heard my story? It's on his back. I think it happened to the lady. He stings him. the spirit of God. They cannot possess the spirit of God. They are uh, temporary. They're temporal. Even though they may have all of those things going on inside of them, they are not eternal beings. And so we say we're created in the image of God. We were created eternal. We were created to be with him for eternity. 
So that's what the idea. And then it says that God gave us dominion over the world. So he, he des designed us to rule over, not to be victims of the world. Are we ruling over the world right now? No. We are complete victims. It's because of sin, which we're going to get into in future weeks. We are victim to each other, other creations of God. We're victim to sickness, things that came through creation. We're victim to animals. We're victim to storms and, uh, you know, disasters and all of these things. That's not how God designed things. God designed for man to rule over the world. And so here we see in this, in the first chapter that God gives us his grace and undeserved gift by going, I'm going to bless everyone, all of humanity with a good creation. I'm setting you down in this good world. Everything I made is good. This is God's original intent for good. I'm going to bless and I'm going to even let you rule over. You're not going to be under all of this good creation. You're going to be in charge of it. It's not going to run you. You're going to run it. That sounds good, right? That's God's design. That's God's grace. That's God's undeserved gift. Did man do anything at this point to deserve that? Man didn't do anything. He just said, I'm going to let you, I'm going to make you a really good creation, and you're going to get to rule over it. It's not going to rule over you. We know the rest of the story that sin got in there and messed it up. So one of the things that this should do for us is help us to understand and argue against those little thoughts that come up in our mind when things are going horrible, that it's not fair. God's not good. And we all know people or have personally wrestled with the idea like, how could God be good when all this stuff is happening in the world? How could God be good when so-and-so's baby uh, died? How could God be good when, uh, when I look at what's happened in my family and what happened to me? How could a good God let this happen? God designed things good. God designed us to rule over creation. Anything that got messed up is because of mankind's mess up. It's not God's mess up. That can help us kind of unlock our brain out of this self-pity, bitterness mode that sometimes we get to thinking about. And we begin to think like, why is God making things so hard on me? God wanted good things for you. Blame Adam and all the other people around of why things are so hard on you. Don't blame God. It's not God's. God wanted good for you. Real quickly, too, it says man and woman, he created them. A couple other quick points is, and in all this current cultural confusion, it tells us clearly God created two genders. And then you, uh, we even know, have known of people who were created with, uh, you know, kind of like hermaphrodites, where they have a little bit of both, uh, genitals of both. I would say that's a result of the fall. That's not the way God created. And so if someone we wanted to argue that, that's not how God created. But here we can see clearly the way God designed his creation is males and females not swapping not mixed not kind of neutral none of that there are two genders male and female 
And anything that just happened naturally through nature, I believe is a result of sin and the fall, just like all the other diseases and problems and mutations that we have as a result of sin. But don't be confused. Uh, God did not create there to be these mixed gender things. Uh, you know, all this gender confusion is just that, confusion. <clears throat> also, God built marital unity into humanity. This is kind of funny. You think about it. He's, he creates this male and female. And then he says, I want you guys to rule over all creation. Get after it. Now, if you've been married for a day <clears throat> and you're trying to rule over a budget, a house, uh, this, uh, that, kids, anything, a cleaning schedule, uh, whatever it is, you will know that that does not naturally blend and everybody's just being so unified. But that's how God designed it. God designed it for there to be man and woman and then to be able to rule together over all of creation. God's design was good. People are like, why would God make man and wife so incompatible? We're going to see where that comes in in the, in the fall real quick here in just chapters. But that's not how God designed things. He didn't design marital turmoil. That's our doing. God created man and women to rule all of creation together. All right. Carly, why don't you read that? Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and keep them do it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed and is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose tree fruit yields seed to it shall be for food. Also, to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the Okay, so you can see over, I have given you, I have given you, I have given you, and it's good. Everything, every, every green herb, and it was, it was good, and it was good. So we can see God's goodness in this account. So again, I kind of want to, now go, so what does this mean, God's creation of man and the goodness? Well, one, we can see we're created in God's image. And so this helps us to avoid the emptiness, confusion, hopelessness, ultimately being condemned. When we realize I am a spiritual being. A lot of us don't think spiritually. It's so easy to get sidetracked with all the physical, temporal things going on. But when we realize we were created to be spiritual beings and we need true spiritual life, we need true spiritual life. If you're empty, if you're confused, if you're hopeless, it may be because you're looking for something other than spiritual life. You're looking for someone to meet your needs in a relationship. You're looking for money. You're looking for fame. You're looking for a good reputation. You're looking when really ultimately what brings satisfaction is true spiritual life. And that true spiritual life, because God created us in his image to be spiritual beings. And that true spiritual life only comes through Jesus Christ. And it comes re relying on him. So much so 
that we need him to enter into eternity. We need spiritual life to be saved from sin. We need spiritual life to get into heaven. And only Jesus can give that spiritual life. Not only do we need spiritual life to get into heaven, we need spiritual life to be satisfied in the day and in the day out. Many of us are trying to be satisfied so through so many other things, and we all slip into it, but we're trying to be satisfied through some other means other than spiritually. And Paul even says, you know that big famous verse where he says, uh, where he says, um, that's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. I was mixing up two verses. Thank you. Mackenzie, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What he's saying there in that passage is he's talking about contentment. I heard someone over here say it. And a lot of us are empty, not content. And what he's saying is whether I have money, whether I don't have money, I can be content. And I can do all things through Christ. And I will just say this. If you are spiritually full, you will be able to handle life's troubles with great grace, great joy, great peace, great satisfaction, great contentment. If you are not spiritually full, even all of the money in the world, the best relationships in the world, you're going to have a sense of emptiness. So it's important for us to go, I have a spiritual hole in my heart that needs to be filled, not only eternally, but every day by him. I'm a spiritual being. That's how God created me. We can't unwire that. The other is that we could have true purpose because we need to realize we're image bearers of God and we are put on this earth to be displaying his character. You're like, I don't know what to do with my life. Wherever you are, whatever you do, whether you're a plumber, whether you're a ditch digger, whether you're a CEO, whether you're a teacher, your job is to be displaying the godness, the goodness of God, wherever you are. Also, it helps us avoid self-pity and bitterness when we realize that we were created to rule over creation. His plan for us was good. When life gets difficult, remember, it's not God that messed all of this up. It was humanity. It wasn't God. Also, to keep our heart open, a lot of us in here in this room struggle. And I'd say it's sometimes even more difficult for men, but I know that's not 100% true. With receiving God's grace and God's blessing and opening our heart up to receiving something we didn't earn, we need to put ourselves in Adam and Eve's shoes and go, did they earn any of that goodness? No. Did God give it to them anyways? Yes. And we need to go, God blesses even before people earn it. I'm not saying he doesn't reward. He does reward. I'm not saying he doesn't discipline. He does discipline. But I will say this. God gives before we deserve it. He wants us to receive before we deserve it. Okay. Day seven, God rest. Thus, the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which we had, he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it, he rested from all his work, which he had created and made. He rested. He wasn't tired. He wasn't fatigued. He didn't need the rest. He had just completed his job. And so he was done. He said, I've done it. It's good. I'm done. 
This also points towards uh, ultimately Christ and his kingdom, which will be an age of rest. That's revealed to us later in scripture. So wrapping up, we see in Genesis 1 that all life originates with God. Because of him, we not only have physical life, but we know that we have the opportunity to have eternal and spiritual life as well for eternity and for today. God so loved the world, all of his creation, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes puts their trust in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So not only do we get physical life, but we can have everlasting life through Christ. He didn't send his world, his son into the world to condemn it. He didn't want condemnation for the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So again, we see God's good. God is sovereign. God is good. God is God. We are not. God gives to us. Let's open up our hearts and receive the goodness that God has. All right. There's a lot there. I'm going to go ahead and close in a word of prayer. And, uh, Again, I would encourage you to just kind of uh, meditate on those things throughout the week. As you're looking at little birds on the telephone wires, you're looking at the tree, you're freezing because it's cold and all the season change. Let it point your heart back to God and remembering that he created this world around us. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the eternal life we can have because of him. Thank you that you created us in your image. We don't deserve any of the good things that you've given us. You give us all good things. Even when life is difficult, we have to acknowledge the breath we take, the good things that have come in our lives all come from you. We thank you for being good to us, despite us deserving it. We love you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Have a great Sunday.